worship. And it's one of the first times, which I'm sure I had done before, but it was the first time when I really was connecting scripture with singing because, you know, that's such a powerful thing from Psalm um, 118, 18, uh, I've already forgotten, um, Psalm 18. But, um, and the other quality of that song that is absolutely lovely is it is an earworm. You know what that is? You will, it, you will not be able to forget. I have been singing that song all week. And it was funny that it came to me because it just came to me in reading this passage and I thought, I couldn't, I was just walking through my house singing, I will call upon the Lord. And I, so I, I thank you, Marsha, for doing that because I, I, that I don't usually, I'm not a musical person at all, so it's always hard for me to think of songs, but that one definitely came to mind. Um, so it is so good to be with you all this morning. Um, and as you know, or maybe not, our passage this morning is a really lengthy one. It's Genesis 4, 17 through chapter 6, verse 8. We're going to dip even into, into verse 9 briefly um, because uh, I did talk way too long last week, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the end. Um, but also, this passage, uh, Jen Wilkins, if you, if you have watched this video, she does an incredible job presenting well, presenting what we may normally approach certainly I would have, as a passage that you can skim through. Um, she teaches it as a passage that it is well worth our diving into. And I had never heard this passage teached like Jen was. Um, and I can't say enough about her teaching, and I'll talk about uh, how important that is in just a minute. Um, in this chunk of scripture, we are zooming out, remember? My book, I brought it, my visual, this is my visual. So we are zooming out now from, we've been zoomed in. We had that big zoom out at the, in Genesis chapter 1. We zoomed in, we started to zoom out with Cain and Abel, and now we're really backing up to see the larger story. Because we're considering, in these, in these verses, we're considering the genealogical line of Cain, which is chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. And it's in, and, and of Seth. Which we see again, which we see in chapter five, um, in the descendants of Cain. So in verses uh, seventeen through twenty-four, chapter four, we see the roots of sin, which were planted in Adam and Eve's heart, shaping generation after generation. And it's worth noting that the one the one character who's really elaborated on is one in which we see arrogance, pride, haughtiness malice are all manifested and described most in that life of Lamech at the very end. I think it's important to note too that it said Lamech took two wives. <laughs> so as women I think we can see this is the beginning of the brokenness of the fall. God intended man to be united with one woman and when we see Lamech it notes that Lamech took two wives. And of course, we know if you've read anything in the Old Testament, then it becomes common. And we, in our minds, sometimes like to think, well, culturally, that's just what people did. No, sinfully, that's what people did. It was a breaking of God's intent of what marriage should be and the relationship of a man and a woman. And I think it's, it's notable that it's emphasized in Lamech. Um, but I want us to pay attention, especially, of course, to what happens at the end of chapter 4. Um, 
Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, which again, the name means anointed, which again can refer us back to that, that idea that Eve was hopeful that perhaps Seth might be the one, the deliverer. And we know something amazing about Seth if you read Luke chapter 3 um, and this line. So she named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At the end of verse 26, our scriptures tells us, at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And as I looked up this word in my, um, my concordance, uh, it's interesting, I don't know anything about Hebrew, but, um, but I just learn a little bit as I read. It, this, is, this is call, yes, like we know the word call, but it also means, some translations will say invoke. There's a, there's a sense of urgency in the Hebrew translation. It's a, um, a, a couple things I read said it's like an accosting, like you've, you've got to talk to somebody, you grab them to talk to them. And it's almost, the, it has an image of sort of shaking and talking. And so as we just see the descent of humankind, it's interesting to me that they begin to call upon the Lord. The desperateness that we're going to see in chapter 6 has taken hold. And in that, men begin to call upon the name of the Lord. And that comes right after Seth is introduced um, and bears his son Enosh. So chapter 5 gives us more information about the line of Seth than it did with Cain's descendants. Cain's descendants, I believe there were seven, and it was very short, just sort of with the only expansion being, um, expounding, I guess, being on um, Lamech. But, and also, I, I thought it was interesting, is that Cain, that Cain built a city, which, if you remember, God had told him he was cursed to wandering, but he built a city, and it's, what's that rooted in? Probably in this frustration of wandering, this desire to establish something. He builds a city. Um, but in chapter 5, we look at the line of, of Seth. And again, I'm not going to go into all of that. I'm just going to really encourage you to listen to what Jen has to say because one of the things I learned, all of the, everything I learned about this passage, I learned from Jen Wilkins' talk. <laughs> so there's no point in me repeating what Jen said. So I just really want to encourage y'all to listen to that because she does just an amazing job. She does a lot with the numbers of their ages, which was a little baffling to me, although one of them, the thing with Methuselah, I had paid attention to. And then last night in our small group, I thought it was interesting, one of the gentlemen in our small group, as we were talking about the seven baskets and the 4,000 being fed and the 12 baskets and the 5,000 being fed, uh, an older gentleman who I really respect at Blacknell said, how important, and I remember reading this in other places, numerology was to the Jewish people. Numbers meant something. And so the seven and the 12 in the feeding are very significant, seven being the sign of completeness, and of course 12 being the 12 tribes, the 12 disciples. Um, so when you, it's worth, I can't, I'm not a math person, but it's worth listening to Jen because she does point out some interesting things about ages and numbers there, particularly when it gets to Methuselah. Um, one of the things that I most appreciated that Jen pointed out in this chapter was the rhythm of it. It sounds more like the first chapter of Genesis, not just like the first chapter of Genesis, but there's a cadence to this chapter that we don't have 
in the, in the line of Cain and that we haven't had really since chapter one. It's more poetic. Why is that? When you read it, especially if you read it out loud, even though you've got the numbers bouncing back and forth, there's a definite rhythm. Well, think about it and who Moses was writing it for and honestly who, how it's written for us. Because these are the people and this is the line that Moses would want people to remember. And when you read Luke chapter 3 in the genealogy of Jesus, all of these people are in the genealogy of Jesus. So this would have been something, this line would have been the line that Moses wanted the people to know. So the fact that it's written poetically, it's written in a way that they would be able to remember it. And I love, and I think it's definitely worth noting, the repetition of the phrase, the three words, and he died. And he died. All of these people who lived 900 plus years, and he died. Um, it's as if Moses is emphasizing that the warning that God gave about partaking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is fulfilled. Did Adam and Eve die immediately? No. But read chapter 5, and he died. Everyone died because of the original sin of the partaking of the tree of the knowledge, partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We see that being fulfilled in chapter 5. But here is what I want to draw your attention to today. Um, I want us to pay attention to the last part of chapter 4, verse 26. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And then I want to read this passage to you, um, which you'll remember. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. The rhythm that I was talking about stops right there with that verse. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Those three words, and he died, are not there for Enoch. And then dipping into verse 9, which is where we'll start next week. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. In chapter 6, and notice that I am skipping over the Nephilim and all that's wrapped up in that. <laughs> Leave that to someone else to discuss. I have all kinds of ideas about what it is. None of them are grounded in anything other than my imagination. Um, uh, God's, in chapter 6, in those first verses of chapter 6, we see that God's beautiful creation was a mess. It had fallen into the biggest mess that could, that could be, that we could imagine. And that calling on God suddenly seems more urgent when you read these verses. It says um, in verses 5 through 7, it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe 
mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. Do you feel that in this passage? The fact that we've taken such a long time to get here, I think grips me in this passage to the point almost of tears. Just that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time, and the Lord was grieved. And then when God talks about wiping out creation, he goes, if you notice, in reverse order of the back to chapter one of the creation story. He's going to wipe out men, the creatures along the ground, and then if you know the order of the creation story, the birds of the air. Of course, we know the, the fish aren't going to be wiped out, are they? But he is wiping out creation. He is erasing in that way. Um, and I'm struck by verse 9. Somehow, so this is for us when we get, when we've watched too much bad news. Um, somehow, in the midst of this, Noah was blameless and righteous and walked with God, which seems a miracle. Um, so now I'm going to break from that and do a little introduction of the next thing that we're going to do. I uh, started women's Bible study, I didn't start it like responsible, Ann Paulson did that. Um, in 1992, I started coming to Blacknell and um, was uh, shortly after beginning here pregnant with that lovely young woman who's seated right over there and um, immediately started coming to women's Bible study, blessedly uh, was invited and had the, the space to do that. And one of the best things that I love and remember about women's Bible study were the small groups. And um, I remember nursing Maria in a small group with some of the very women who she's in a small group with now, which is just, okay, I'm not going to cry. Um, pretty remarkable. But small groups and what happens here on Thursday morning are so significant. So I really am apologizing for talking too much last week. I'm hashtagging do better Tracy because one of the things I was struck by with that when I saw it when I got home and Becky so you know quickly got it up there and I opened it up and I was like oh my gosh 42 minutes that is wrong okay so it is it is wrong and um and and the reason it's wrong is because it cuts into your small group time and I never want to devalue that time it's also wrong because one of my husband's favorite saying is brevity is a virtue and of course he said that to me before I came to his office remember brevity is a virtue <laughs> 20 minutes is a sweet spot 42 is uh two two times too much um so what I'd like to do this morning recognizing all that I've said about what a great job Jen Wilkins does with this passage I am going to set you all up to have some contemplative time before you go to your small groups um what I would like for you to notice, and I was counting numbers when I stood up here, is at the end of these pews and these, and there might be a few scattered over here, are these little books, which are my gift to you. Now, obviously, during your 15 minutes or 20 minutes, you're not going to fill this book, nor do we expect you, but keep this book. If I had been really extra ahead of the ballgame and gifted in calligraphy, I would have written those verses about calling on the name of the Lord um, and walking with the Lord. But inside the, also, I will say for most of you on this side, I am, um, I'm a bibliophile, but I also don't know the word for this. Somebody can look this up for me. I am a penophile. I am obsessed with finding the perfect pen. 
And sometimes I've found it, and I went to Staples yesterday, and they didn't have my favorite pen there, but I found something that was as close as I could get. It's all about feel. It's all about the how many millimeters the point is, all that. So you, you all also have one of my favorite pens. So, um, yeah, so there's, there should be plenty. I think I've laid out enough. Um, and so inside your book is a guide to just to help you. You don't have to use this. Absolute freedom not to use this. But this is just to help if you would like some help. What we're going to do is we're going to allow you to scatter about the sanctuary. Is that what we decided, Becky? Scatter about the sanctuary. And knowing that you can also move up to the balcony if you really want some quiet space, just go out those doors and go upstairs. You can, I mean, it's going to be quiet everywhere. But you can get in a corner. You can, everyone, we're, we're not many, so we can spread out in the space. And um, this is just some ways to begin. And it also tells you how we're going to end um, but, and on the back are scriptures specific to, and a shout out to Caroline Raby, who is, who I contacted to help me with this. She was very happy to help me with this, um, is, uh, is some scripture. All these scriptures have, in the first section, are about calling in the name of the Lord. And then the ones at the bottom are about walking with God. So, obviously, you, you don't have time to read all these. I don't expect you to read all these, but just... Trust the Holy Spirit. I've prayed about this. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to land you in a passage to look at. Uh, obviously, with these psalms, it's a bit of a treasure hunt, because or scavenger hunt, I should say, I guess. Treasure, scavenger. You, when you read the psalm, there, it's, there's just a portion of the psalm that will talk about calling on the name of the Lord, and maybe that's the verse that you want to hone in on, but some of the psalms mention it more than once. So that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to release you, and then um, after... Uh, what time should we stop? 20 minutes or 15 minutes from now? 15 minutes. Um, Marsha is going to come up and just play the doxology so that we can, we can sing the doxology together to close our time, and then you, you'll have time to grab something and go to small groups. So let me pray for us. <clears throat> Dear Lord God, I thank you that you love us dearly, and your heart breaks over our sin. And I thank you, dear God, that beyond the rainbow, there is a deeper promise, and it hangs on the wall behind me, Lord. The promise of the cross, the promise that we are forgiven and redeemed through the blood of Christ. And yet, Lord, we still live in a broken world, and our lives are broken, and our hearts ache. Father God, I pray that you would help us to call on your name, and to learn what it means to walk with you. So, Lord God, I lift all these women up to you. I thank you for each one that's here because I know they're here by your orchestration. And I know and I trust, dear Lord, that you have scripture just for them. I pray you would bless them with just some moments of silence and contemplation. And it would be a springboard for them to move into their day and their week. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>